Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckner, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 945, and our Spanish service begins at 9 a.m. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in throughout the week, including youth group and children's quizzing. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone to encounter God with people just like you desiring to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. This week's podcast is from a continuation of the first part of the series, uh, Be Ready, which comes out of Nehemiah chapter 4. This part is a continuation of that same sermon. Um, Just the way things worked out, it just seemed better to put it into two parts. So as you have listened to the first part, the second part is a continuation of that. We pick up in Nehemiah chapter 4 with the focus on keeping the main thing the main thing, where we begin to understand that opposition can sometimes distract us from what God has called us to do. And then along those same lines, we need to also be ready and to be vigilant in what is happening around us so that we're able to respond appropriately and stay focused on what God has called us to do. I pray that you're encouraged and blessed and have a great week. So I'm going to pick up where I left off a couple of weeks ago. I had begun a message that uh, I didn't originally intend to be two parts, but we left it in two parts, and so I want to do a quick recap of, of where we were and then continue on to where we're going. So we're, we've been in the book of Nehemiah. Last week we looked at Nehemiah chapter 4, and we were working our way through that. We see in this section that, that Nehemiah and the group of, of Jews that he's with, Israelites, that they're now starting to face and experience this opposition um, that was kind of foreshadowed through the first three chapters. And in chapter four, this really begins to take shape and take, take form. And so as we work through that, the first thing we talked about is that we need to understand that opposition will come. And I think any of us, as we've experienced life, know that opposition always comes, right? We're familiar with that, we understand that, and we know that it's going to take place. And in the case of of Nehemiah, we saw that sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. In Nehemiah's case, it it started with, with kind of taunting, and it worked to an actual physical altercation as as this progressed. And we see here that that Nehemiah had to rally his group around him and remind them of the work that they're doing and and try to get them to see that that there's a bigger picture, a bigger play happening, and that he is, again, trying to point them to, to respond to this appropriately, to pray, to turn this over to God, to trust God, despite what they may be fearing, despite what they may be experiencing, that that God is going to see them through. We looked at the way that opposition happens and takes place in our lives. We see that opposition takes a a few different forms. We looked at the external, that uh, sometimes this opposition that we experience is is happening around us. We saw in Nehemiah's case that he was experiencing opposition. He was surrounded by it. 
Those that had gathered were coming at him from all sides. Sometimes we see that opposition happens internally. We see here in, in verse 10 and, and verses 11 and 12 that sometimes people get tired, sometimes people get discouraged, that they're, war, that they're worried, they're wore down, they're scared, they're frustrated. And so sometimes the opposition happens from within. We also see, too, that, that opposition can be a spiritual opposition as well. And that we must remind ourselves that the real opposition that we face, what it really comes down to is the spiritual component. And that when we are facing opposition, sometimes we can be tempted to, to rethink what God has actually called us to do. Because I'm experiencing opposition, am I really doing what God is asking me? Am I in the center of God's will? Because things are hard, things are difficult. We can see here through Scripture, we can see in Nehemiah's case, that even though things were hard and difficult and scary and whatever else, that he had to stay true to what God had called him to do. So, so that's what we discovered over the last, last couple of weeks, or last week as we spent our time here in Nehemiah chapter 4. I shared with you a personal testimony of a time in my life where I experienced the opposition and, and how I had to, to work through that. And I know many of you have stories that, that you can point to and testify of just some hard and difficult things and having to push through, persevere, that God was faithful to walk with you through that. We talked, too, about making opposition, making difficulties God's problem. We saw this through Nehemiah and the way that he responded. In verses 4 and 5 and in verse 9, he responded in prayer. And that was really a challenge for each one of us, especially me, I guess, that I don't always respond to opposition with prayer. I tend to look at it and analyze it on what I can do and how I can respond. But the challenge and the invitation there is for us is to respond in prayer. And sometimes we just got to keep praying as we looked at verse 9. God continues to answer, and not always in the ways that we expect but he does, and we saw that here through Nehemiah's story. So where we find ourselves today as we look through these first couple of points that we make this opposition God's problem and understanding how opposition comes, the next principle we need to look at is keeping the main thing the main thing. As we think about that, as we think about opposition, I got to thinking about distractions, too, because I think sometimes distractions can be in opposition, and sometimes they work in similar ways, and we have to be on guard against distractions as well. We have to be watchful. We have to be aware. Sometimes they sneak up on us. Sometimes they're innocent things. They can actually even be good things in our lives that are distractions, but if they're a distraction then we understand that it's not fulfilling to what God's called us to do. We need to be aware that these distractions exist in our lives. They are keeping us from the work, and they've got to go. I ran across a story by the Soviet leader who tells a story. I'm going to butcher the guy's name. Nikita Khrushchev is how I'm going to pronounce it. 
He used to tell of a time when there was a wave of petty theft in the Soviet Union. And to curtail this, the authorities, they put up these guards around all the factories. At one timberworks factory in Leningrad, the guard knew the workers in the factory very well. And the first evening, out came, I'm going to call him, call him Peter. Out came Peter with a wheelbarrow and on the wheelbarrow, a great bulky sack with a suspicious looking object inside. All right, Peter, said the guard. What have you got there? Oh, just sawdust and shavings, he said. Come on, the guard said. I wasn't born yesterday. Dump it out. And out came nothing but sawdust and shavings. So he was allowed to put it all back again and go home. When the same thing happened every night for the next week, the guard became frustrated. Finally, his curiosity overcame his frustration. Peter, he said, I know you. Tell me what you're smuggling out of here and I'll let you go. Wheelbarrows, my friend. Wheelbarrows. So the distractions sometimes are, are sneaky. They, they come in ways that we're not expecting. They're coming in ways that, that maybe we're not fully paying attention to. And so in Nehemiah's case, as, as he's dealing with this work that God has called him to do, this rebuilding of this wall, there's opposition and there's distractions. And these oppositions and distractions keep the work from going in the way that they need to be going. And Nehemiah here, he illustrates some strategies for us to apply to keep opposition and distractions from getting us off track. I want to draw you to Nehemiah chapter 4. I want to start in verse 14. Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Actually, I want to back up to verse 13 if I could. Therefore, I st stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What Nehemiah is trying to do here in this case as these waves of opposition are coming at them. And these aren't just taunts now. These are actual altercations. And he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to re remind them of the things that they're to fight for. Remind them of the things that, that God has called them to do. And I'm imagining this scene similar to what happened in Braveheart. How many of you have seen that movie? Braveheart with Mel Gibson? Yeah, there's this powerful scene where he's trying to encourage these guys to fight, to stand, to, uh, to continue what, what looks like impossible odds. And so I'm picturing this scene right here as Nehemiah saying, don't give up, keep going, keep fighting, keep loving, keep working. And as we stand against the enemy, we don't know sometimes how this is going to work. Sometimes we tend to do it on our own power. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 reminds us that we're to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And in verse 10, as we take our stand against the devil's schemes, as it goes on to further explain in verse 11. So we've got to do this not in our own power, not in our own abilities, not in our own strength, 
But we've got to do this understanding fully what God has called us to do. We have to be convinced of it. Because if we're not convinced of it in our own hearts, how we act and respond as opposition comes, we're going to fall down. We're going to lose heart. The distractions will come easy. The opposition will overtake us. So imagine this scene that we've got to keep up. We've got to keep going. That we've got to keep fighting. The call to each one of us is not only to remember those words for ourselves, but we need to be ready and willing and able to say them to one another. Because we see the enemy at work in others' lives too. As we each share and, and live experiences, we've all are not strangers to, to opposition, right? And so we need to be really aware and ready and willing to encourage and stand alongside one another. As Nehemiah points out there in verse 13, these lowest points of the wall, all the exposed places, he posted them by families. And family looks like family. And family also looks like friends. People who are standing arm in arm, working together. We also, as verse 13 points out, we need to understand where our vulnerabilities are. We need to understand where we're weak, where, where things are easy for the enemy to attack us or distract us, or opposition will come. And Nehemiah here, we see he continued to be on guard against these threats, and he strategically stationed armed guards at the lowest points of the wall, at the exposed places. This is a great illustration of how we must be aware of these areas in our own life, of where we must be aware of them in, in our church, in our ministries, that we need to be understanding where those things are and be ready to address them and, and fill in those gaps, fill in those low places, guard those spots. But sometimes it's difficult for us to be willing to put ourselves in those places. It's one thing to identify where we're weak. But it's another thing entirely to be willing to stand in those low places. Because that takes courage. It takes humility. And frankly, for myself, those aren't places that are very easy for me to be in. The next principle I see here in Nehemiah's story is that we need to be willing to adapt and overcome. As we look at verses 16 through 21, we see where Nehemiah takes the situation, what they're facing, the challenges that are coming, and they adapt and they overcome. I want to read verses 16 through 21 for you real quick. From that, from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah, 
who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did the work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding the spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. Are you picturing the scene that's taking place? This the scene is, is intense. And I'll be honest, I kind of struggled to imagine the kind of stress and the kind of struggle that they were enduring. The kind of oppression that was happening, the difficulties, all of it. But if we, if we take anything from this passage, can you imagine trying to work with one hand while you're fighting with the other? And then having to have people around you ready to fight. But the work continued. The work continued. He adapted and overcame, and he equipped those around him to adapt and overcome, and he kept their eyes focused on the goal. Kept their eyes focused on the work. How many of you are familiar with Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon was was a, an old preacher, and he, the amount of sermons he wrote and the work that, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me, but he put out this monthly magazine called The Sword and the Trowel. And we're going to show an image. I don't know how well this is going to show up on the screen, but this image is actually taken from where we're looking at here in Nehemiah chapter 4, where you've got the workers on the wall. He called it The Sword and the Trowel a record of combat with sin and labor for the Lord. What an interesting thought. You've got workers that are building this wall with a trowel and a spear. And taking a cue from, from what Spurgeon says here, this combat with sin and this labor for the Lord. Do we view the things that are happening, this opposition around us in that same way? Being willing to fight it and continue with what God's called us to do. It's too easy for us to get distracted. It's too easy for us to quit. When the going gets tough, the tough take a vacation. Right? <laughs> when the going gets tough, the tough watch TV. Take a break. Unplug, get away. But what I'm seeing here is when the going gets tough, it's time to get tough. It's time to stand. And it's time to be fully convinced of what we're called to do. And that applies to each one of us in our relationship with the Lord, and it applies to each one of us as we are a part of the body of Christ. We need to understand where we fit. And I don't know if you get the picture here in what Nehemiah is describing, but I don't see him addressing anybody that's standing around watching. 
I don't see him talking much about anybody who is against what God has called them to do and him giving much credence to that. He's stirring them up. He's reminding them of what they've been called to do. And it's time to go. It's time to get to work. I don't see any sideline benches here. I don't. For every excuse, if we can call any of these things here an excuse, Nehemiah and the Lord have a solution. And I've been around people that have an excuse or a problem for every solution. Right? I can't because of this. This won't work because of that. I don't see that there's room for that here. And we need to be a people fully convinced of the work that God has called us to do. Fully convinced to fight the opposition, the distraction, and to do it with diligence and earnestness. Verses 19 through 20 talk about this, this call to be ready and to be vigilant, to be diligent, to be vigilant. And it takes all of us to be involved and to not, what we are all tempted to do is isolate ourselves, right? We're pretty good at that. That's prevalent in the American culture is when we've got a problem, we tend to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But when we do that, we tend to isolate and cut ourselves off from those around us. I shared a story one time of where my job trailer had got stolen, all of my tools were gone, that whole thing. And I shared about this guy that came in and gave me some money to replace some of what I'd lost. And I tried turning him down. I tried telling him, that's okay, I, I don't need it, I'll be fine. And he says, you're robbing me of an opportunity to be a blessing. And we need to stop robbing each other of the opportunity to be a blessing to one another. We need to stop trying to do this on our own. And we do it on our own, on our own talents and abilities we think we have. And we're invited by God to trust. We're challenged to trust him. And then we can look around in this building here this morning and we can see each one of us gathered and I've been strategic in my time here to call this a church family. We're family. We're not individuals trying to do this stuff on our own. But we need to stand with each other and for each other. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to be aware of these attacks of the enemy. We need to be so aware of those that we're willing to stand in the gaps and in the low places. Nehemiah here was so concerned because work was spread out that they were vulnerable to attack. And when the attacks come, when you hear the call, we come and we gather. And we need to be doing that with and for one another. We've got to learn how to fight for and with one another. When someone's in trouble, 
when they signal that they need help in their own spiritual battle, in their own lives? Are we willing to rally together, to come together to their aid, fighting with them through prayer, through encouragement, or just the ministry of being present? Do you see that there's no place for a sideline? There's no place. We've got to get to work. We've got to be willing to open our eyes and see the work that's before us. To be able to see and love one another beyond what we're comfortable with. To get in those places where... You know what the easy part of church ministry is? Getting people in the door. That's the easy part. We can put programs on. We can do a thing at the pool, which was great, fantastic. We got a lot of people there. But the hard part is, is loving one another throughout the week. The hard part is laboring with one another. Sitting kneecap to kneecap and hearing stories discipleship, saying uncomfortable things because we know that what they're settling for isn't what God would have. Doing those things because we love them more than where they're at right now. Because that's what God exhibited for us. We also see here that we're called to not let down our guard. Remember that picture, the sword and the trowel. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter writes, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We can't let our guard down. I, as your pastor, can't call each one of you every day. I don't know all of the things happening in your life. But each one of you has a connection to somebody else. Each one of you are called to do that work, to check in, to be vigilant. Having one another's back. Standing with them. As I was thinking about that passage of Scripture... I was reminded of this, this job that I had out of high school. There was a local radio communication company that, that served the area I grew up in. You know, those two-way radios, I don't know if those are used a whole lot anymore. Some still use them. So we had these towers that were all over the valley. And a lot of these were kind of up on hilltops or on top of buildings. But there were several at, at far ends of the valley that were up on top of these mountains. And so, as, as the newbie, um, originally, you know, I was the one that would go and fetch the tools. And, you know, as the guy's climbing the tower, you know, he needs something, I'd tie it onto the rope and they'd send it up. You always had to be careful that you tied it right. Because if that came loose, that's going to hit something. And you can't run far enough. If it hits that tower, it'll just catapult and find you. Anyway, so... 
That was my job initially, and then eventually I was climbing up and down these towers. And I'm not scared of heights. I'm scared of falling. So being aware of that, as you climb these, these towers, initially you're, you're pretty vigilant in what you're doing. You have a harness. You climb a few steps. You click in. You climb a few more steps. You unclick and click in. You begin this process climbing up. Well, pretty soon you start to get a little comfortable. And when you get comfortable, sometimes you get careless, right? We had this one tower in particular that was on Bristol Head Mountain. And Bristol Head Mountain is this huge bluff. And way down below is this reservoir. So this was an 80-foot tower, which is pretty tall. But when you're on this 80-foot tower, looking down not just the 80 feet, but the 80 feet plus the 300 or more to this reservoir below, all of a sudden it's a lot, a lot higher than originally. And I was careful, so careful. But it was on those short towers, those ones that were 20 or 30 feet that you start to get a little careless. Thinking about how the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not going to get us on those big things, those things that we're paying really close attention to. He's going to get us in the little things, the smaller things where we've let our guard down, where we're not paying as close of attention as we should. Those areas in your life that maybe were Sin has, has had an effect, but you've allowed God's sanctifying work to work in your life and, and that you are living victor, victoriously. And so we begin to let our guard down a little bit. And pretty soon we begin to compromise. And then pretty soon, this is something that's a big issue. I challenge you to be aware of these areas in your life, these once places that were low, that aren't so low anymore. How the enemy continues to prowl around looking for someone to devour. So this morning, as we, as we think about this, we think about the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4 is all about this opposition. It's all about distraction. And it's all about Nehemiah's response. We can see our place in here, I hope. That there's no place on the sideline. There's no excuse for it. We know that opposition will come, and we have a choice in how we will respond. That we need to stand with, for, fight with one another. To be willing to hold the trowel of the fight against sin in one and doing the work of God in the other. I'm going to invite the praise team up this morning. As Nehemiah tried to do here in the, in the first part, in verse 14, I want to leave you with this this morning. I want to encourage you. I pray that that's what you hear from me, that I'm encouraging you today. So don't give up. To keep going. Keep fighting. Keep working. Keep loving. 
That's our call today. That's the good work that's before us.